Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wing It F1 podcast. This is our sort of mid-race edition in between that kind of spicy race in Mugello and maybe a good race in Sochi. Maybe, maybe. No, not a good race in Sochi. So I'm Freddie Coates, and I'm here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu to talk you through some talking points that have arisen from the latest triple header, from the latest races, and from the just F1 news in general over the past few days. And yeah, let's get stuck in. How are you guys? You doing good? Yeah. I'm very good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm installed in Sheffield now. So nice. the new backdrop. And I'm able to do it indoors, which is good. As <laughs> that does help. Yeah, yeah you're not going to get rained on this time. Uh, Nigel, what about you? Any, any, uh, any positivity in your life? Uh... <laughs> Not yeah, that it's always negative. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I went to Sheffield a few days ago. Uh, and left. And then, okay, Came back. back. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, the, the, the big kind of news story that's sort of come out after Magello, which is what we're going to touch on first, is a sort of gatekeeping of F1 by the teams. You've got to pay... 200 million euros now to become a team. Nigel, would you want to explain this little nugget of news? Yes. So, if you want to go into F1 as a new team, you've got to pay 200 million. Well, this 200 million goes to the current teams. So, not only is it more expensive than, say, I think, so yeah, Williams, they were bought for what, 150, 140, wasn't it? So it's a lot cheaper just to buy out a team than it is to make a completely new team. Plus, you're going to give financial advantage to the rest of the teams on the current grid. So essentially, what the I think the idea behind it, albeit a little bit silly in my opinion, is that they're going to guarantee that the current 10 teams will stay in F1 for the next five, six years till 2026. Uh, but it means that it's highly unlikely we're going to see any new teams in F1, which I think is not a good thing because I think something F1 lacks is that we need more cars, more uh, more cars on the grid because there's so much talent out there in F2, so much talent on the current F1 grid, you know, and if someone, say, like Sergio Perez, doesn't have a seat for next year, then that's a big problem. So we do need more cars to, so we can have more young drivers and stuff on the grid as I say. I think 24 or 26 would be the right number but yeah, 200 million to make a new team is it's, it's a bit, it's, well it's too high quite frankly. Yeah, Adam, do you think it's sort of born out of teams like Haas coming in and then immediately the year later, Manor not being able to fund a grid because they're 11th in the championship rather than 10th. Do you think it comes out or something like that? Um, I, well, I'm, kind, I'm kind of torn on whether or not it is a good thing. But I, I think it, it's probably... Before the Concord Agreement was signed, there was kind of rumours of our Haas pulling out or whatever. And I feel like it kind of might have been something they pushed and possibly, you know, another team like Williams or McLaren pushing um, to get and kind of say, you know, if we, you know, we need to get stuff from this agreement, this is what, you know, this is what we want out of it. So I think it might be kind of born out of that, of, you know, those teams wanting to, yeah, have that, have that in place to benefit them financially and help them stay. I think it does, obviously make it harder for teams to join but on the flip side we've only had one team join since um, 2016 or um, has joined in 2016 they were the last two join anyway and given the current situation I don't know how many teams would have been queuing up to join even if this hadn't been in place so I don't know I don't know you know how big an effect it will actually have it will take out kind of chances you know kind of yeah. independent you know plucky underdogs coming in i think it will take out that um but it is you know just another barrier to entry in the sport F f1 is essentially saying we don't want any new teams and my question is why why did they not want any more new teams i don't i don't really get that 
I, I kind of read this as they're saying we'd rather, I don't know, like rather consolidate having the teams on the grid already and keep them sweet than that's dangerous, I think. Run, that, run the chance of getting other teams when, as we've seen, there's not many companies, manufacturers, individuals, whatever, wanting to come into F1 anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that because I think it gives the teams too much power. I really do. And, you know, as we've seen over the last 10, 15 years, the teams have gained more and more power. So I, I'm not, yeah, I'm really not a big fan. It's been widely spoken that the worst thing about F1 management is the fact that the teams have to have unanimity on a um, piece of ruling, on a rule that's got to come in. And so that's why we haven't had any sort of different race formats this year because Mercedes, fair enough, rightly so, said, no, we don't want to do that because we've made the best car and we've done that to win. We don't want to be put at the back because we've made the best car. And because nine out of 10 said, yes, that's not going to go forward. So do you think this is a way to sort of soften up the teams to say, well, give us this concession and then we'll give you potentially some money down the line. Maybe you might get 20 million quid. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, is it, it's good. Yeah. Go on, Adam. Um, it, it's also just worth mentioning, I think they have said it can be amended or changed in kind of based on the situation. So I do kind of wonder, well, A, I wonder whether it'll actually come up anyway, because will any teams join before the next Concord agreement? But also if, you know, there was a major manufacturer wanting to join, would they kind of waive this or reduce it a lot to try and get, you know, get them in? Or would the FIA be kind of putting pressure on teams to do that? Um, I yeah, I mean, there's not there's not much leeway given to new manufacturers. I think there was to, so many um, uh, meetings on power unit regulations and stuff in about 2018, 20, early 2019 kind of time. And Porsche attended all those meetings. I think Audi went to a few as well. And you know, nothing, nothing since they've just they've no, we're not going to do it because of the the lack of compromise from teams on the power unit regulations. But now then they've said, okay, basically now they've said you've now got to pay on top of a potential that you've got to pay an entry fee of this to, to the teams on top of an entry fee, presumably to the F1 and the FIA as well, um, that teams have to pay every year. Um, mm. Then it's a bit, it's, it comes across the, you're right, a bit like they're not trying to let any other teams in to Formula mm. One. Yeah, just preserve the F1 they've got rather than drop to 18 or 16 cards, which was a real threat in about 2014. I think it could be a real threat in a few years because, say, if Honda don't win a championship by, say, 2023, I think they could easily pull out and then Red Bull might decide to pull the plug as well or something. Then you lose Alpha Tauri, and then it's just there's a bit of a curve. I could see that happen. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It just it seems a bit. Strange. I'd, I'd agree with that. It's, it's the opposite of what they should be doing. They should yeah. be enticing manufacturers. So, say if it if it was at a hundred million, I think that'll be fine. That'd be that'd be quite good actually. But to go the opposite way, two hundred million, and like I said, Williams has bought for like a hundred and fifty. It doesn't really make any sense. It does sound yeah. a bit bleak for the future F one, and it sort of takes us onto our our next point kind of nicely about sort of buying an existing team which is that um, Team Ineos, who are the, the famous cycling team as well. Um, doing well in the Tour de France this year, aren't they, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> um, they are a massive sponsor of Mercedes. <laughs> if you look at the rearing of Mercedes, it says Ineos on it. And the little red bit on the top as well. And so Ineos are rumoured to be seeking a 70% stake in the Mercedes Formula wow. 1 team to turn it into Team Ineos Formula 1 team. <laughs> Adam, do you want to take the lead on that? I mean, Jim Ratcliffe, is, who owns Ineos, is absolutely loaded. He's the richest man in the UK. and oh, probably until he? until he brought um, Ineos Cycling, probably no one knew who he was, or you know, very few people knew who he was. <laughs> um, they're becoming more prominent now. They're a chemicals firm, manufacturing firm. Um, and yeah, as you say, they've got some involvement with Mercedes this year. Um, I think it would be 
a shame. You know, we don't know how we don't know how concrete these rumours are. You know what the interest is like from Mercedes. Then nothing. Toto Wolff has downplayed it, but you know, would would he have downplayed it regardless of where they stood? I don't know. Um, I think it would be a definite shame to lose Mercedes um, from the sport. But you know, this is Ineos seem to want to be pushing their brands. You know, I don't know how many people buy chemicals because they see it on the side of a <sighs> bike or a car. But um, yeah, it, they seem to be pushing their brand and kind of weighing in. And they want to be, you know, associated with with the best. And that's why they bought Team Sky. And that's why, why they're looking at Mercedes. Yeah, there's um, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because these rumours are sort of fueled from Eddie Jordan. And sometimes sometimes he's got his fingers in the right pies and sometimes he's just completely off his rocker. What do you think, Nigel? Lewis, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, at, at the moment, I think it must have said, so Mercedes, the team, 30% of it is owned by Total Wolf. 60% is owned by Mercedes and 10% was owned by Nicky Lauda. But I think, in a will, he's given those shares back to Mercedes. So it's now 70% to Mercedes. So... Yeah, it, it, I guess it kind of goes in line with the rumours that Mercedes might pull out. And I guess financially, given how much money they've gone, uh, they've gained since 2010 to 2020 with all the championships and success with Lewis Hamilton on board, I guess this is the right time to pull out because if that success does come to an end, then they might start losing money rather than gaining money, I guess. So then this is, they're always at their peak now, Mercedes, so it's, it's the right time to sell out. Uh, but yeah, having Ineos on board, it'd be really weird having a team. Like, well, I guess it's kind of like Red Bull, I guess, but we're just used to hmm. having the Red Bull name. Uh, yeah, I, it'd be interesting to see if that happens. And I'm guessing they'll have the same people within the team anyway, so it's just more of a financial well, uh, brand change is it? The um, the quote from Eddie Jordan is the ownership of the team is going to be taken over by Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos. The Ineos name is already on the side of the car, and they have this technological partnership, so it's a nice way out for Mercedes. The team will be called Ineos, but it will still be run from the factory in Brackley, and Mercedes will yeah. retain a thirty percent share. It will not be known as Mercedes anymore, and Toto Wolff will no longer be in charge. And so oh. there's been so many rumours this year about Toto Wolff and about his future. Um, he links with the Strolls and Aston Martin. He went on a little scooter ride with, um, with Lance Stroll at the weekend and an engineer, I can't remember who. Um, and so there's lots of sort of links there for, for Wolff's future and links for Hamilton's future as well in Mercedes. Yeah. So it's a it's an ongoing situation that is a little bit fishy with what they're saying PR wise. I mean, mm. no one's taking anything PR wise literally at the moment. When Otmar Safnauer goes, we've got our drivers, and then the next next minute he says, yes, it's not the ones we said we had <laughs> half an hour ago. And so it's yeah, you've got to raise a. a I few guess eyebrows. it begs the question: Is this? a reason why Hamilton hasn't signed a new contract yet because this is the latest Hamilton hasn't signed a contract when he has signed a new for when he signed for Mercedes or renewed his contract he mm. used to do it around the British Grand Prix which was in July but it's now September only a couple of weeks away from October so I wonder if this is perhaps one of the, one of the things that Ineos perhaps are saying we don't want Total Wolf but we have to have Lewis Hamilton if we're going to buy the yeah. team or something like that I think um, Hamilton's been quite candid about sort of not wanting to sign such a lucrative contract mm. at this sort of time um, and he still is contracted obviously for another until December so he's he's got until then to renew his contract um, whether he's going to go down a, a route of what Senna did in 1993 where he was a million a race or something um, I doubt it, but it's, it's been such a weird year. They won't have been negotiating contracts from March till July. They'll have only started up again probably June, July-ish anyway. So I think mm. even in the, in the run of it, it would be quite late. He's probably got a few more things to be picky about than Valtteri Bottas could have been, who was desperate to get his contract signed as soon as, I would imagine, uh, for 21. So 
I still think Hamilton will stay with the team, even if it would become Ineos or something. It's still the same team that's still going to be behind the car. And it was the, the, the Toto Wolf instilled um, environment of the team will remain because it's worked. Even if he's not in charge there, I think it would mm. remain. Whether they Does Ineos, like, so I don't, I don't know much about it. So it's to do with chemicals and stuff. Does that go against Hamilton's like morals because we know he's very environmentally, you know, friendly and trying to drive that forward. Do you guys know anything about that? Or I, I, I imagine it, I imagine it would, yeah. I think when, when they took over Team Sky there was a bit about that I think right. Rathalie Bennett, the leader of the Green Party in the UK, kind of tweeted something like, Oh, you know, cycling's meant to be an environmentally healthy right. um thing and they're associating with that. And I think Part of it might have been trying to associate themselves with a more healthy mm. thing, you know, yeah, like yeah. a green thing. thing. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. imagine that could well be something that Hamilton would go against, whether he based a contract on it. I think he could, to be fair. But, you know, yeah, with the, way, yeah, with the way he's speaking out and stuff this year, being very vocal about, you know, Black Lives Matter and the environment, climate changes and stuff like that, it's... It's possible, so it's, there could be a lot going on at, at Mercedes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking up some stuff about Ineos's environmental record, um, but there's, there seems to be not really much you can easily access on it. It seems to be a few okay. sort of more headlines than that. So that probably a bit story. If they, if they had a great environmental impact, they'd probably be shouting that from the roof. <laughs> yeah, that's a... <laughs> a great point to make. Um, so we touched on the quality of the grid when we were talking about the the sort of entry fee and talent across the grid. And that leads us on to a sort of a driver market conversation. Obviously, the big news uh, last weekend was that Sebastian Vettel is going to Aston Martin in place of Checo Perez. And we're at risk of losing the talented Mexican from the Formula One grid, unless you can get plucked up by Haas or Alpha, really. That seems to be about it. Um, one one um, team that has been touted is McLaren's IndyCar project. Um, do we think, what do we think is the most likely destination for Sergio Perez? Do we think IndyCar? Do we think the new hypercar WEC? Do we think staying on the Formula One grid? Because I'm currently thinking it's a little bit unlikely he'll stay on the grid. Really? I still think F1 and, you know, he's, he's only 30, which kind of isn't that old. Mm. You know, he's still, he, I'd say at that age, he can afford to kind of spend a couple of years down the bottom of the grid, see where his options are after that, if another top team opens up, which it should do. And, um, and if it doesn't, he can go, to IndyCar or WEC or whatever then and, you know, do that. And I don't think it made that much difference. So I think F1, um, yeah, for the moment, for the next, you know, one or two years at least. I would be very, very surprised if he isn't in F1 next year, given how reliable he is and the money he brings as well, which will really help a team like Haas. But if he wants... If, so if money is more important to him, he'll probably stay in F1. If he, if he generally wants to race and be at the front and stuff like that, IndyCar is a possible destination. But it's, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if he isn't in F1, to be honest, given what, what he brings with him. Uh, Red Bull's possible. Pro, well, it's probably the most unlikely of the F1 teams. It's probably just me dreaming. Uh, I would say... Pass is the destination for him, but I, I would love to see him in IndyCar personally just to see how he would get on. But I'll be, yeah, I think he will stay in F1. Yeah, he is an excellent driver and he proves his worth majority of the weekends in Formula One to be um, qualifying ahead of the updated car that Stroll had in Tuscany. Is actually, yeah. That was a underlying, very good performance. I mean, yes, of course, the Esteban Ocon spin completely ruins qualifying three, but he was on the pace all weekend, pretty much, I'd say. Mm. Um, he could really help a team like Haas, a team who's been pretty much 
plodding along with the same driver lineup for four years now. Um, hope I mean, it, ha- it obviously hasn't helped them with stability in terms of surging back up the grid because I mean the, all the problems they had last year, all the documented problems of not being able to get the tires to work, the aerodynamic stalling and everything. Even with the experience of drivers of that car, uh, still um, Roman Grosjean of the cars he finished finished dead last. Yeah, he had a crash on lap one, but he and Magnussen's qualifier. I don't know how many times in the recent races he's qualified twentieth, but it seems to be all of them in the past, like mm. triple header or something like that. To my knowledge, he's qualified last. Yeah. So really um, weird, really weird Magnussen season because he started off really well, but the last few races he's been. He's been tilted down, yeah. yeah. And it seems to be this is when he should do it. And there are rumours coming around now that Haas are going to sort of enter a similar relationship with Ferrari to Alfa Romeo in terms yeah. of a FDA seat that Giovinazzi currently occupies at Alfa Romeo. Could this be the start of Haas Maserati? <laughs> well, that'll be, that'll be good to have the Maserati name in F1. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm basing that, I should... Add off Gunter Steiner in an interview a couple of years ago saying, Oh, we, we like we like Sauber Alfa Romeo, that sounds cool. We don't want to just be Hass Ferrari, we think it'd be cool to be Hass Maserati, something like that, or Maserati, something I don't know. Um, or Lamborghini, or Lamborghini, but the ownership <laughs> completely messes up with that. I think oh, I don't know oh. about yeah, the rest of it, yeah. Um, so I think there are there are rumblings going on for that kind of. Uh, driver lineup to be taken by um, either an Eilot or a Schwarzman um, with a Mick Schumacher basically being nailed on for Alfa Romeo I think oh, you know what would be interesting what if Lungard wins the championship that'll be what if yeah exactly because like, what what would he do then would, would he I, I would even put Lungard at Haas because he's Danish I think Magnussen brings some Danish Back into the sponsorship, so if they replace them like for like, Cast might be able to keep the Danish like sponsors and stuff. But I, I personally, if I was Lungard, I wouldn't. I'd do another year in F two. But if you win the championship, you can't. So that's a problem. It's just yeah, it's really complex I guess because the F two champion can't do the next can't do the next season. It's like we're watching you work it out <laughs> live. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a really interesting situation. The, the F2 Championship, we're going to talk about that for a bit now, is um, completely weird. Um, <laughs> you've got Mick Schumacher now. Mick Schumacher now leads it, um, despite having quite patchy results. I, and, but some good results. Eilot's in second with good and patchy results. Um, but Eilot seems to have had the most pace across the year, which is interesting. And then, as you say, Lungard is in third in the championship, having had a really strong weekend at Mugello. He took feature race pole and only lost the race due to the kind of annoying way that the two works with the tyres. Um, and then and finally, so lost that out to um, Mazepin, who's actually been doing all right this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Prize of the year. Um, yeah. And then in the, feature, in the sprint race, he did get the win. And um, it's just, it seems to be two and three all over the place. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird that Schumacher, he kind of, before this triple header, he was kind of like the, the person, if it felt like he wasn't going to get a seat or if they did it, it'd be a massive kind of travesty, you know, because he seemed to be just a bit off the leaders in the championship and then he adds, you know, he's just come on really strong in Spa and Monza and got, you know, four podiums across that. And now, you know, he made an amazing start at Monza. It was like seventh to second in yeah. basically the, the straight. It was incredible. Um, I say, I lot seems to have been kind of better, you know, had more pace, but I kind of feel like the amount of errors he's made, I don't yeah. think, I don't think you can just put that down to look after a certain point. It's kind of like, I think, you know, there's, it, it just starts to count, count against you a bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of jumping there. He also made errors uh, before F2 in his junior career as well. So it's not just in F2 where he's done that. Yeah. You can come um, on. <laughs> uh, well, that was kind of as well. 
that's a big error. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, I think it felt like, it feels like they've been waiting for Schumacher to come good, and now he has, and there's only three rounds left of F2. Like, if, uh, if they, it feels like if they announced it now or soon, they could be like, oh yeah, he's a leader, so we're signing him and stuff. And then, I don't know, I think it kind of felt like his position was going to be the biggest thing that counted against him, and now he's in the top position. I feel like they could just kind of cash in, get him in the seat now but what do you think i i think the big problem is that there's a two-month gap between sochi and uh the final rounds in, in bahrain because the four races in bahrain that a lot can change so yeah. it's a tough thing for the alpha or Haas or anyone else looking to pick up a junior driver what do they do i guess because I think the championship is going to go down to the last race or last two races in the Bahrain Alta way out, which will be mad. And, <laughs> you know, given that the champion can't race next season, someone will almost have to take that champion and go to F1, but we don't know who the champion will be. Well, Callum so Eilat has really... said that he won't race in F2 next year. Right, he said it's yeah. too expensive to do so. And you'd think Ferrari would be the team placing him, being a driver academy. Um, I wonder if Still he's saying that though, just to put pressure on Ferrari. Yeah, that could be possible. Possibly. I think Ferrari would like that if he was. Yeah. Ferrari that's strike me as the kind of team who would like a bit of fire in their drivers, and that's why they like Schwartzman quite a lot because he's he's comes in and does the job pretty well. I mean, yeah, he, his pace has, has been lacking a bit in some rounds, and in some rounds has been excellent. So it's mm. a bit sporadic there. But when he's been on the pace, he's been really good, Schwartzman. Um, and Perst, in his rookie year, that's a lot to be admired by. Same with Lungard, like you say. Yeah, personally, I would say right now, promote Eilat and Schumacher. So Eilat to Schumacher to Alpha, and then give Schwartzman, Lungard, Sonoda another year in F2 to see if one of them can dominate or something. Uh, because And then have what, Schwartzman, be- Schumacher, Alfa Romeo for the second year, and Eilat... Well, we'd have to stable. see how Schwartz yeah, we get, exactly. so won't we? Yeah, yes, but but it must be said this is Schwartz's rookie year. And if we compare his yeah. rookie year compared to Mick Schumacher's rookie year, yeah, he's doing incredible. You know, the, the one year difference in F two makes a makes a huge difference. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think Schwartz is just lacking a little bit of pace at the moment. Mm. Uh, Sonoda as well. He he could go to Alpha Tauri or something. I was about to say that. I think he. I think if he gets his super license, they'd put him in because mm. you don't, I, I just kind of don't see how you gain anything from having Fiat in the, yeah. in the year. Um, so yeah, I'd, I reckon they'd do that. And then that opens Fiat up potentially, you know, could he kind of mm. go, go to Haas maybe or something mm. like that? You know, it's just a, just yeah, a Haas, thought. Haas have always kind of done done their own thing with one of their, with their drivers, haven't they? If, even if they don't have this Ferrari link-up, the other seat will, even if they do even have this Ferrari link-up, the other seat will still be feel pretty wild-card, to be honest. Because, mm. like you say, Magnussen's season was good now, isn't isn't Grosjean's season wasn't good, and now kind of is. And yeah. it's a bit like, well, what's going on here with these two drivers? They're just a complete mess, really, <laughs> to, to mm. like what you want from the drivers. They're so sporadic, and it's a bit... Mm. When they come on song, they really do. But you'd want a driver who you can sort of nurture into a driver who can come on song a bit better all the time. And I think, I think Kvyat's got a bit more of a consistent level. Um, he got seventh in Mugello, which was really good, actually, to be honest. A really good performance. And he can put in sort of good drives. So I, There's only 12 cars, I wasn't there. So. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was ninth or so, wasn't he, at the start when there was 18, 19 cars. Yeah. Yeah, he gets yeah. overshadowed by Gasly either doing well or doing badly. Um, yeah. That's kind of always the bigger storyline. Um, just quickly, if give if you were, um, say, Schumacher, um, and you had the choice of Haas or Alfa Romeo, um, mm. now, making a decision now, what would you guys both go for? Uh, Alfa Romeo. Alfa, yeah. For that as well. I think I think Haas is a bit more independent, mm. but you, you'd feel a bit more 
comforted in your in your seat in Alfa Romeo. Yeah. I'd love to see Raikkonen and Schumacher just because <laughs> like having Raikkonen with like deal this is so that'll be something else. But, uh, yeah. But do, do, so do you guys are you thinking I like Haas as well or Schwarzman or Lungard? Yeah, if Lungard wins a championship, I'd have to put him at Haas, you know. Look if he wins a championship, song, isn't he? And I think you've really got to look at a late season surge in junior categories can really work wonders. That's what that's what Schumacher is, is kind of a specialty. Looking back at his yeah. <laughs> his junior formula, is that he sort of does okay, then has a decent start to second season, which is kind of his European Formula Three days as well, um, and then just launches it. And it's a bit weird, but I guess he's a driver who's been under pressure his entire life, and he's just good under pressure. Whereas other drivers can crumble a bit more. So it'll be interesting to see who works under the pressure of this basically F1 spotlight now. And I yeah, think definitely. I think Schumacher yeah. is one who could really work there. I think Eilot, yeah, he's a, he's a little bit more tentative in the pressure. But when he's been leading races, he's done really well. And he's got the pace and he just needs to think he's got the pace because then he needs to sort of have a bit of confidence in his ability. I think he gets a bit shaky, probably, is what it looks like. And Lungar's just... He didn't do any testing in this car, and now he's third yeah. in the championship. Schwartzman, rookie year, fourth in the championship, only a few points. Lungard's only 18 as well, and I think no, he, in yeah, his whole motorsport career so far, he's only done about 50 races, which is really not a lot, because the others would have done at least over 100. So I, for me, Lungard is the most talented out of like the lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of if, if Lungard going to the last race, he hasn't, you know, say he's not got a seat for next year in F1, you know, does, does he, like, it's, it's a situation where he's better off losing. Yeah. He kind of isn't, like, that's, it's a really weird thing and it's what all, yeah. every sport tries to avoid. I, I feel like Lungard could... It's the Vips conundrum. I don't think he'll be in F1 next season, so I think either... He wins the championship and loses out because he hasn't got a seat or he doesn't win the championship and he, you know, is able to compete next yeah. year, I think. Maybe, I said it kind of a couple of times relating to Gasly or whoever, but maybe that Ocon-Renault seat for 2022 could be yeah, one, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I don't yeah, think he'll be on the grid. I don't think he'll be on the grid next year. Right. So, so you're both thinking I what is it? Yeah, I lost Schumacher mm. in place of I don't know, Grosjean and Giovinazzi. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go for that as well. What if Schwartzman wins the championship somehow? <laughs> <laughs> we won't know, Nigel. Stop saying what if. We don't know what's going to happen. But that's a good thing. That's a good it is, thing. It's a great thing. It's a really interesting championship. And we, Formula 2 has been just fantastic to watch this year. Obviously, we've had Formula 3 uh, concluded this weekend just gone with a title fight that went into it with this level points for Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent. Um, obviously, it's going to be an interesting step to see where they, those guys end up next. And Teo Porcher as well, who finished third in his rookie season in that championship as well. It's going to be really interesting to see where those drivers end up in a few years. But I don't think we're going to talk about that now because we'll be stuck in another quagmire conversation for about a year. <laughs> Um, we can come back Stimmy. to them next year <laughs> when they completely derail Lungard's easy year. Um, I think we're going to have some quick fire questions quickly um, about this latest triple header. So, Adam, who do you think was the best driver in the triple header? Um, Lewis. Nigel? Hamilton. Are we making a story with one word? <laughs> <laughs> Gasly. Gasly? Yeah. Gasly. But Spar and Monza performances. And Monza were great, yeah. Um I was gonna say Hamilton. I think he's been cool under pressure for the whole thing pretty much. But how can you not say him in it? Like it's just well, part, yeah. partly because I wanted to make it interesting so we all don't say Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean He's probably is Hamilton, but you know, switch it up a bit. I'll say. Yeah, oh, Ricardo, Ricardo. Gasly won a race, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, but <laughs> yeah, Ricardo didn't. He was the driver of the day. And he got closer. 
Yeah. But that Gasly performance even... for me, it was like no, like better than some of his other performances, say at Silverstone. Well, he, in fact, they, they might have even been better. It was just the circumstances. Well, it's, it's like Stroll. It's like Stroll at Monza. That wasn't his best performance of the year. Yes, he got a podium, but that wasn't his best performance, I think. I'd say one of his best performances was Nigello. It's you said Hamilton for your answer. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's quick fire, guys. I like an argument. With this fire. Um, Worst driver. Nigel, you can go first. Oh, gosh. Probably Giovinazzi, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Magnussen's had two retirements out of three, Mm. which isn't great, but yeah, I'd go with Giovinazzi. Don't know who I'm going to go with. Um, Vettel's not been great. Vettel's not been great. You're right. Um, Probably not. Albon got his first podium. Stop dragging him through the mud. <laughs> He's a lovely b- boy. Wait to see how he goes <laughs> over the next few races. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm stalling here. Um, nah. Yeah, Jovanazzi. What's Jovanazzi done? Exactly. Raikkonen's really had a good, strong form. Yeah. He got Alfa Romeo into Q2 twice mm-hmm. and he got points. Giovinazzi's not. He's got a nice help. He's been on the grid. Has he? I think that was recorded a few months ago. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a nice guy as well. Bless him. Why do you always say the people who are doing bad are nice guys? Because they're lovely. Everyone. Giovinazzi's absolutely... Remember when Nico Hulkenberg right. left last year, everyone's like, oh, what a nice guy. Or, I don't think he was that nice a guy. No, he not I think Giovinazzi is a, is a quality fella who, unfortunately, is mm. not beating Raikkonen when he should do. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyone have any quick-fire things quickly for the triple header? Any questions? Best or, overtake. Best overtake. Uh... That's hard. Uh, <laughs> Naldo Norris around the outside of Bottas at Della Roja Chicane, I thought was pretty nice. I quite like that. That was good, to be fair. Um, I'll, I'll go Gasly on Perez at Eau Rouge. Oh, just, yes, yes. It's a white knuckle ride to watch. Yeah. I can't imagine how it would be to be in. It, it's got to be that one. Yeah, yeah I might rescind mine. Um, <laughs> best red flag. The one at turn six, I thought was they they waved that one really nicely. Um, you asking us to name the best crash? No, like the best, the red flag that had the best impact on the race. I guess. Oh, well, Monza. Oh yeah. <laughs> they all had impact on the race, really, because um, drivers the, were out the, of the race. <laughs> the first one of the first one at Mugello did because Bottas had got the restart and it kind of we don't know how it would have gone if he'd no, like, that's true. if that hadn't happened but you know he would have held the lead and you know then who knows what happened as it happened he didn't, he held the lead for a corner then it was a red flag and then Lewis got him off the line and that was that okay next one best uh, tribute helmet livery uh, the Ferrari livery <laughs> Adam yeah. gotta say something different I did, I did really like the Ferrari livery. Um, I'll go, since I can't have that, because apparently that's just been announced as a rule <laughs> that we can't, even everyone said <laughs> Hamilton. Um, I, I mean, the, the the Vettel helmet was quite good, with the little um, kind of half and half cloth cap effect thing. Um, now what's what am I going to do for mine? I was going to um, say Vettel's helmet. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that then. <laughs> I like Giovinazzi's <laughs> helmet. Giovinazzi's kind of like blue mosaic helmet was nice. Um, yeah. Um, next I mean, quick fire. Pizza helmet. Pizza, yeah, but it looked awful, but it was funny. <laughs> it just made me hungry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I could do the pizza. Nigel, what's your quick fire for us? That's Seems- a brilliant question, Reddy. Uh <laughs> See, <laughs> okay, so in the best, sort of gap, we had a bit of a gap moment. where we were like, let's think of some quick fire. And I say, oh, how about best tribute helmet? Adam says, oh, I want to do the Ferrari livery. So can we make it livery as well? So I go, yes, okay. So then Nigel says Ferrari livery. He doesn't have to think. So this is now Nigel's turn to think. Yeah. Best moment. 
This is quick fire, quick fire. I like it. Putting <laughs> someone on the spot to think of a question. <laughs> yeah, best moment. Best moment. Go away. Get come up with a better one. Oh no! Go on, get an answer quick. Oh, the best moment. Gasly winning. Yeah. Easy. Gasly's having the best day of his life. What about? Oh, so I'm going to bring it back down to that. I think when there was that big crash on Sunday at Magilla, when everyone got out, okay, there we go. Oh, okay, mm. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. No. Nice and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, speaking of Magello, do we think there should be like, <laughs> do you think there should be sort of like a, a guest track entry kind of role? Because like, it's kind of looking like it's going to be unlikely that the, 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 the cameo tracks of 2020 are going to feature all the time, which is understandable. Do we think sort of a start of September, end of summer kind of wildcard, like an Imola or a Mugello or a Turkey should be sort of considered for that kind of role? I feel like it, it's, it'd be fun, but there's, there's two things. One is um, logistically, I don't know kind of how... <laughs> You know, just including, you know, one track for one year. And then if, if the track does well, but then it's harder to actually include it on a permanent calendar because there's already one slot gone because of the wildcard thing. And can tracks repeat? Because eventually you're going to get to a stage where there's no tracks left in the entire world. <laughs> Presumably tracks can repeat because we have the same calendar every year normally. <laughs> yeah, but then or when you just get like one, one or like two tracks alternating a wildcard every um five years yeah and and it kind of becomes you know a bit repetitive i think it'd be fun but i think if if we've not had this season where it's basically a wildcard calendar anyway then i'd kind of be jumping chopping at the bit i would be yeah but kind of we've got that anyway and as i say it's kind of how that would lead on to more permanency i'm not sure yeah, I agree with Adam on this one. I think it'd be great, but it's just not very realistic, is it? With one-year deals for tracks, <laughs> I don't think they'll be very happy. No, uh, I think you're yeah. right it's, it's, it's a, I like the idea, but it's not probably mm. that. Like a wild um, card every year. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll put all the money for a team and then go racing and then just pulls out at the end of it. Well, I mean, it's been known to happen in the past. Um so I think I'm going to come to the next final sort of newsy, rumoury bit before we come on to our, um, our traditional quiz. It's going to be, um, is Andy Cowell, the high-performance powertrains Mercedes man of the decade, basically, um, engine guru, going to head up Aston Martin pretty much? in place of Otmar Safnau. And Nigel, um, I believe you, you've got a few things to say on this. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe one thing. Maybe one thing. I think it will be a great pickup from Aston to get someone of that calibre uh, with that experience as well uh, to join the team. And we've, we've talked about the rumours of Adrian Newey, perhaps going to Aston Martin but yeah Andy Cowell becoming team principal the, the only thing about that is I'm not sure if it's the right role for him because I'm not sure you know is he a total wolf figure or is he more of a technical person I, I'm leaning towards the latter and if he does replace Otmar huh? <laughs> is he a total wolf or is he a Matia Binotto <laughs> polar opposites <Wow. laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, to replace Otmar Zafnauer would be, be an interesting move because I think Zafnauer has done a good job at, at, at Racing Point in the last few years. Yeah, there have been rumours of Adrian Newey being linked with the team as well. And um, it seems to be every rumour was leading towards a super team for Aston Martin. <laughs> um, do you have anything to say, Adam? What do you think uh, is going to be the sort of destination outcome for this? Story. Um, I I think it it feels a bit like changing it for changing its sake, maybe or kind of like oh yeah we want a big name in here who's been on a winning team 
let's get Vettel on and let's get someone from Mercedes as well. When actually, I don't know, I feel like Safanel does a good job. It's, it's not broken. I don't think we need to fix it. So, you know, but that said, I don't know. I don't know enough about Andy Cow to kind of know whether he'd be good at the job or not. But yeah, it, it to me, it feels a bit unnecessary, but you know, it, F1 isn't necessary. Hmm. So who knows? He did do quite a lot of on-site stuff with Mercedes up until around sort of 2015, 16. Then he sort of retreated to a bit more of a factory role, which has um, helped with their other endeavours, such as Formula E and stuff like that, with um, powertrains that came in for this year with that. Um, so he is a, he's a guy whose job at Mercedes has been split into five people. So he's, he's, he's clearly a decent guy and knows what he's doing. I think it would be interesting to see. But, um, I, Otmar Safnau has been a stalwart of that team and now that team is running where it is what, third in the constructors, I think. Might be fourth um, based on a few other lucky results for others. So... I think it's it's he's doing well there. I don't think you see any reason to drop him. I, I agree with Adam. Really, it seems to be a bit for replacement's sake. Um, but now we're moving on to the most interesting and most competitive moment of this podcast series that we have. It is Adam Dickinson versus Nigel Chu for the. Gran Quizio Premio della Toscana Ferrari Mille 1000. Yay. Which is a Ferrari quiz. You can tell Freddie thought of the quiz title first and then worked outwards from there. Yes. I don't know what quiz is in Italian. <laughs> quiz in Italiano. Okay. You must have said that I think it, me and Freddie are on three and Adam is on two. So it's really close between right, Yeah. Us, I think. I'm not 100% but I mean, those, those are the series the series scores. It must be said, yes. And yeah. um, <laughs> this is going to be a very interesting quiz while I find a pen to keep track of scores because I normally am quite bad at that. Um, let's hope it's not a tie break. Um, so, question one. Normal rules apply. Just say your name like University Challenge. Don't say Sheffield. Um, who won? Ferrar who took Ferrari's first race win? Adam. Adam? Ascari? It was Alberto Ascari. Yes. Woo! No idea. No, I have no idea. He's a good guess. I mean, he took the majority. <laughs> he took, like, of the first 15 wins, he took 14. Oh. But, um, question numero two. What was the nickname, one of the nicknames for Enzo Ferrari? There are lots, but there's some famous ones. Adam. Adam. The old man. Yes, that's one of them. For what? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to say, you can just say one of them. Because if I said, what is this particular nickname from 1926? Or <laughs> that's going to be an awful question. I, I don't know. The any old nicknames. man is one of them. Does anyone know any others for fun? In, in my head, I was thinking about something from The Godfather, like the Don, <laughs> something like that. But on the card. No. Um, he's, he's known quite um, nicely in Italy as Il, en Il Engineere, which is the engineer, which is quite nice. Because he is just the engineer of Italy. He's he basically what is, goes the Pope, then Enzo Ferrari in terms of people in Italy. Oh. And then Silvio oh. Berlusconi. Um, Ferrari wasn't engineered in a day. <laughs> and then also Il Comandador. Il Comandator, I don't know which way. Um, but yeah, that's one of the famous ones too. Um, this is a hard question. Um, this is a hard one. What were the first two? <laughs> the first ones were kind of all right, I thought. Um, where did the Prancing Horse logo come from? Nigel. Nigel Chu. From Sheffield uh, University. A farm. Not a farm? Yeah. Because of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> That's my answer. No, it's not. No, right. Adam. Adam. I'm mocking. Stable. Horse. <laughs> no. Um, did you both give up? Uh, yeah. Do you want some clues? Do you want, the, do you want yeah, like the story behind it or just the 
like where where yeah what do you where what where um, Enzo Ferrari became aware of it? Italy. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> um. So Neil Poif at this one. Um, so Enzo Ferrari's brother fought in the Italian Air Force in World War One. Unfortunately, he was killed. Um, but his, but the the main, the best, the best sort of flying ace of Italy was a guy called Francesco Baracca, and he had a he had sort of the most sort of confirmed kills for any Italian fighter pilot, and he was a really cool flying dude. And Enzo Ferrari aspired to that. He liked that, but he wasn't a flyer, but he liked the sort of pace of it, and he had a horse on the side of his um plane. So it's from is that your is that yeah. your also <laughs> listeners? I just did a, a prancing horse impression. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so question three is nothing. So it probably won't be a tiebreaker unless you'll get one wrong again as a group. Um, question four: Which British driver was the last driver to be signed by Enzo Ferrari himself? Adam. Adam. I'm wishing I hadn't spoken on. No. This has gone catastrophically wrong. Nigel Mansell, the dates are all wrong for this, though. But I'll go with that because... It's correct. Is. The oh, dates yeah. are not wrong. He drove for Ferrari in 89 and 90 out. and was signed in 1988, which is the year that Enzo Ferrari died. Oh, I thought he went a bit later. And no. Okay. He died then. Okay. Um, yeah, so the last... The last um, the last uh, year he saw was when McLaren won 15 out of 16 races. So was he the last British sad. driver to race for Ferrari then? That's uh, in your opinion oh. of Eddie Irvine. Isn't he Irish? Exactly, it depends on your opinion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly, I thought, it's, I think some, sometimes he raced under an Irish licence, sometimes he was under a British licence, right. it was a bit confusing. Mm. Um, so yes. Apologies to anyone who's offended there uh, by the Northern Ireland or Ireland. Uh, Northern Irish contingent. <laughs> yes, a massive Northern Irish contingent. Um, we're not trying to replicate your, the care for you that the government has. Um, question five: <laughs> Who competed in the second most Grand Prix for Ferrari, with the first being taken as red, as Michael Nigel. Schumacher? Nigel. Uh, Oh, for Ferrari. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, my answer was going to be Schumacher, but since you said it can't be, I'm going to have to go Barrichello. No, it's not Barrichello. Alan. Kimi Raikkonen. Is the correct answer. I heard the question wrong. because Schumacher's uh, got the second most starts, hasn't he? Did I, I say it wrong? wrong? I was torn between um, Barrichello and Raikkonen, so your, your answer really helped. Helped ease that conundrum. Oh, I think Barrichello's fifth on the list. Yeah, it goes Schumacher, well, all time, right? All line Ferrari. So Schumacher, no, Raikkonen, Massa, Vettel, and then I think it's Barrichello. Raikkonen second, he's about three races off uh, oh, Barrichello's yeah. time Grand Prix starts record as well, and break yeah. that down. Yeah. Equal list in oh, third yeah. race, and then break it. Break it at Portugal, I think, depending yeah. on his. Um, how his starts go. Um, so currently Adam is on four, Nigel is on zero, but we have five questions left. He could bring it back. The pressure is well and truly still on. Um, question six. Michael Schumacher famously broke his leg in the 1999 Formula One season at Silverstone, but who replaced him that Adam. year? I haven't finished the question. Carlo. Who? Mikasalo is the correct answer. Yeah. Now, unless Nigel can go back in time and answer question <laughs> three, which no one answered, then he can... Uh, yeah, that's the end of the quiz, really. But we've got five more questions um, for Pride. No, we don't. Four. Four more questions for Pride. Who was the most successful... For, what was the most successful Ferrari road car of all time? In, in terms of what? Sales? Nigel. Yes. Uh, the four thirty. Oh, it's close. It was the one before the four thirty. Oh, four eight eight. Nigel. No, that's the one after the four thirty. Three sixty. Yes, it's the three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. It goes three five five four 
three four five three sixty four thirty four five eight and then four eight eight. Yeah. Is, it, is that what they're on now? I don't know. Now I now I can write down Nigel's name on the score sheet. <laughs> <laughs> One. What's your favourite Ferrari car? I haven't driven any. The oh, okay. the old California. Oh yeah, that's sure. nice. I, uh, I like the 599 GTO. Oh, yeah, GTOs. <laughs> they're, 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 I mean, honestly, if you, you, you've got to get insured just to stand a foot away from a GTO. <laughs> um, oh, I, I do like the old Le Mans winning Ferraris. I thought they were beautiful cars. But that's a race car, not a road car, is it? Um, I don't know. Speaking of Le Mans, that's this weekend, but I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah. opinion. Yeah, next question. <laughs> Why aren't you looking forward to Le Mans? Why am I not looking? This is the least I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. Mainly because, because it's in only... September. Well, mainly, well, yeah. Nah, and because it's only Rebellion and Toyota, and then there's only three manufacturers in the GT class. But yeah. There's Bicolors. Famously, Bicolors from... always retire from Le Mans. They've got a front livery, though. They do. It's packed, like, ooh. Like, it's like the Honda um, blue and green livery. Mm. I think it's a bit, it is a, you're right, Nigel. It is a bit like LMP2 seems a bit weird this year. GTE Pro seems a bit lacking. They don't know BMW, so we don't have yeah. the. Um, no Corvette, the, no the, Ford. No, yeah, that. Um, we've only got what? Aston, Ferrari, and Porsche. Porsche. And um, even in, in the AM class, it's the same. There's no, it's just mm. M3 AM. So. Which is quite sad. Um, but you know, it's still one of the greatest races of all time. So I'm still going to watch a bit of it. Um, I can't watch it all because it's a 24-hour race. Um, so, question eight. Can anyone guess the question? Yes. Is that question eight? No, it's not. Please um, make that we have to guess what question eight is. That's the tiebreak. Um, 110 drivers have raced in Ferrari. Praise in F1 for Ferrari. How many have won Grand Prix? Adam. Adam? 15. Okay, Nigel. We'll do closest wins. 16. Nigel wins. Uh, Ferrari Corporate says 38. 38? Yeah. Can you name them all for a bonus? No. <laughs> Can you? I'll give you no. a bonus point. <laughs> no, no, I got 38. We're going to lose even more viewers than we normally have. <laughs> well, okay. There's two more questions for Nigel to bring it back, and then maybe we'll do a bonus point to make it gimmicky. Um, <laughs> how many drivers have world titles? How many drivers' titles have been won by the Ferrari? So, say so you've got 16 constructors. I'm just counting now. Adam. Yeah. Thirteen. No. Sorry, that was quite aggressive. Nigel. <laughs> fifteen. Fifteen. It's fifteen. Yeah. It's getting close, guys. Nigel's pride <laughs> is coming back. Clearly, the order of these questions has I really just gave been Adam in Adam's favour. <laughs> um, this is a weird question. Ferrari celebrated their one thousandth race in F one. Obviously in Mugello last weekend and they scored five points but how many did they score in their 900th race I know which race it is yeah. I don't know what a Ferrari were <laughs> I know which race it is though. 800th uh, race but that's not really very they helpful. didn't score 800 points either <laughs> someone say a name or I'll pick Nigel. on Nigel Nigel I believe they did not score many because I think it was seventh and eighth. So then this isn't your working and... out time. Yes it is. Four and six is eight points. It's wrong. Oh. Adam. Adam. Uh ten. Oh Nigel's closer. I'll give him the point. It was six points. It was the Belgian Grand Prix in two thousand and fifteen. Well, Sebastian Vettel's tyre blue at the um, top of Eau Rouge. 
thought it was Bahrain 2014. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> Wrong race. The, the 800 was at Hockenheim kind of 2010, 11, 12-ish. Oh, if it was 2010, that would be exciting. <laughs> um, I don't think it was that one. <laughs> it didn't go very well for them, basically. Yeah. Mathematically, it makes sense to be 2010. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just remember um, it not going well for them. So there we have the final results. Adam is on Ooh. five and Nigel is on four. Oh, in strange, remarkably close quiz. Quiz is too hard. Do you want to know what the tiebreak question was? Yes. 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 Um, who can name the most ingredients that goes in an Arabiata? Adam. Pasta, chopped what tomatoes, pasta? penne, yeah, chopped tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. oil, onions, garlic. No onions, but yeah. No onions. No. Uh, it's Bit of seasoning, isn't it? No, no chorizo. No. Pepper, mushroom. I'm, I'm no, just saying no. ingredients. <laughs> you got there. All you need to say was chili flakes. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because um, it's a famous, it's a spicy dish. Um, yeah, I said chorizo because I knew it was spicy. So Adam just got five more points. Um, and it's now on ten in that <laughs> ten question quiz. Um, <laughs> so well, well done, Adam, to your victory. Um, commiserations to Nigel from everyone here at the Wing It F1 podcast. Um, thank it's you, everybody. It's okay, Adam. Yeah. Um, that cheers for coming and watching the podcast or listening wherever you are. Uh, I'm Freddie Coates, that's Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu as well. Say goodbye, boys. Bye. 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 We'll see you next week.